by Brown, Shaped by Brown, Shaped by Brown. <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you for joining my podcast today. Today, I have an amazing guest I will bring on. And before I bring him on, please go to my website, www.sherellbrown.com. Also, listen to pre-recorded podcasts on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and many other platforms. I am your health and fitness expert who has a degree in exercise science, kinesiology, and I have been in the field for over 20 years. Today's episode is with a great, great football player that played with one of the best, in my eyes, Super Bowl teams to ever win a Super Bowl. He played with the 85 Chicago Bears football team, play with Walter Payton, some of the greats. He's a mentor to me and has helped me with some speed techniques through a certification that he has and which we will get into later on. I would like to bring on Ken Taylor. Hello, Sherelle. How you doing, man? Good, good, good. How you doing, Ken? I'm doing, uh, doing good. Doing That's real good. good. Good, good, good to hear. Good to hear. So, Ken, boy, uh, I don't want to take too much of time, but I have a lot to get into, and a lot of people would love to hear some of the information that you have from your playing days prior, playing in the Super Bowl, uh, playing other games, also working right now with athletes and all that other good stuff. So let's just get started into some of the great questions I have for you. Absolutely. Okay. And and even before we get started, I have to compliment you, man. I, I just, I cannot believe I'm so impressed with what you've done with your career uh, and your daughters. You have two daughters, right? Yes, correct. Correct. Yeah. Thank you. Been following outstanding coaching and uh, you have uh, become my mentor. So I appreciate you having me on. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Definitely. Really appreciate that. So you grew up in the Southern California area? No, I actually grew up in uh, area, San Jose, California, and uh, went to high school there. Okay. And then went on to Oregon State. Yep. And then uh, got a uh, scholarship from Oregon State for football. And, um, and so there I played football and ran track. And, um, one of the things I didn't want to do was I did not want to play football year round. I, I wanted to play football, but I also wanted to track, to run track. Uh, cause I knew through my dad's teachings that, you know, if I kept getting faster then any sport I play would kept getting easier and easier and easier. Oh, no doubt. Definitely. And so he didn't really know how to make me faster, but he knew that if I just stayed in uh, track and field, that eventually it would uh, it would work. And after about a good uh, I ran track since I was uh, five years old. And wow. So what was your major event? Uh, what well, was sprints? And then later on, when I was 10 years old, 10, 12, it was a uh, triple jump. So I ended up becoming a world-class triple jumper. Um, and I should say just below where you want to call world-class. Nice. So I was right at the cusp there. 
So I was able to jump in the Pac-10 championships, took a second place there, and, um, you know, just had a lot of, lot of fun. In high school, I was one of uh, four triple jumpers to jump 50 feet uh, in high wow. school. And, That's amazing. And didn't win state. <laughs> How about that? Did not win state. Oh, wow. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's a different landscape today where, you know, there's a lot of, as we all know, have known for 20 years, a lot of specialization going on. So, yeah, so track is track is missing a lot of the great athletes. They're busy playing basketball or football. Um, so, yeah, we had some definitely had some fun back in the day. Oh, wow, that's that's awesome. Yeah, definitely. Uh, track is missing a lot of great athletes uh, with the seven on sevens that are still in a lot of the football players. And mm-hmm. a lot of them don't understand that the dual sport aspect of life and uh, how track is a marriage to any sport. That's right. And I have a lot of football players who are doing seven on seven. I understand it's great. And there are many players that need those types of reps. You know how to how to run a post route or how to cover a post route. Right. But if you already know how to do that, then what we need to do is to be able to have you uh, develop the qualities on how to run that at many different speeds. Exactly. So we need you to be able to do it faster, slower, on time. Because uh, as you well know, with your football experience, a lot of it is about not just the speed of the game, but the relationship of the speed of the game. And what I'm by that is if you run 4-2 and you, you're a receiver and you run right by the spot, then you're not open. Exactly. <laughs> so, exactly. So a lot of it, there's a lot of timing in, involved, but the, the speed definitely plays a huge role in that. Yes, it sure does. Now, with speed training in the 80s compared to today, mm-hmm. what uh, what's, what's different from, from what you uh went through versus now oh boy here you go so (laughs) (laughs) man it um oh boy there's a lot to say about this but to try to keep it concise back in in my day in the 80s in the in the late 70s there was no speed training per se um it was just uh, it was just working out and working hard and so um so how do you get faster well you work hard well i didn't get any faster until i worked on the skill of how to run faster how to organize my body how to organize my body for me um my length um i'm an ectomorph body type so i was a long strider as a triple jumper but trying to play a change of direction sport especially as a db in a corner in the nfl cannot have long strides all day because people will accelerate away from you before you have time to catch up you know and of course in a 200 meters when time yeah but in the nfl if you get a yard or a half a yard separation um the quarterbacks in the nfl they put the ball there so i had to figure out how to shorten my stride so that um, i could accelerate with those guys that were quicker than me um but back in the, uh, you know, I always say I train from two points of view, and I didn't invent them. One is gravity, and the other one is the human body, and that's it. The human body and gravity has not changed over eons, over decades. You got that right. 
it just hasn't changed. And and, and what has changed? Well, our, our shoes have changed. We've got cool shoes. We've got dry fit shirts. We've got sled, parachutes, <laughs> bungee cords. Everybody has a speed ladder. we got health clubs, training clubs. And, um, you know, I'm... I'm watching kids work on do good things and I'm watching them work on their strength and, and their agility and they're getting better and better and stronger and stronger many times at putting their foot in the wrong spot. So many times they're getting stronger at moving inefficiently. Yeah. And if you swing a baseball bat at the wrong time, you can't hit the ball well. Same thing when you run. If you put your foot in the wrong spot at the wrong time, you can't run well for that one strike. And so, you know, congratulations, you're in the weight room, you can, you can squat 400 pounds, that's outstanding, you got to have hard work in life, mm-hmm. but if you get beat around the corner by somebody faster than you, it didn't matter. Didn't even matter, that's right. Exactly, so you need that strength, you need that power, but if you're not there on time, um, it's, it's a moot point, it's irrelevant. And so um, that's the style in which, which I teach. And I've been teaching that way for 30 years, uh, more than 30 years now. And wow. mostly because, yeah, mostly because it was just, you know, I, I was just working with guys, not just football players, all types of athletes, um, you know, tennis players. If, if you've got a big, hard cross court stroke, but you can't get to the ball, doesn't matter. You, you're not there to do anything with it. Yeah, exactly. To make contact. So in the '80s, there were no, uh, there was no clubs, no speed training. Uh, there was no culture, no training culture. This kind of started happening big time in the '90s, early '90s, and uh, then we started coming up with all types of things. I mean, our language has even changed, but it's the same human body. You know, today right. we call it your stomach. We have to call it your core. Core, yeah. Core training. <laughs> And I think my favorite word, if you take this word, you put it on the front of anything you talk about, makes you sound good. And that word is called dynamic. <laughs> so suddenly in the 90s, we had this thing called, you know, dynamic warm up, dynamic fitness, dynamic <laughs> high knee skips. Right. <laughs> Same drill I did in 1970 when I was a little seven year old running track. Same drill. <laughs> but now it's dynamic because it's exactly. <laughs> the body has not changed. If you're healthy, two legs, two arms, torso and a head that's it right <laughs> and I, I imagine in 100 years the language will change again yeah we'll for sure better, yeah we'll have yeah. better turf better box jumps I don't know but right <laughs> the human body and gravity we want to sound more impressive we'll call it earth science things like <laughs> yeah you know? it definitely changes w- which receivers was the hardest to cover oh, great question oh boy well Aside from everybody, <laughs> uh, the ones that stand out, are, of course, are, uh, you know, the all pros, uh, you know, Jerry Rice, of course, and, um, a surprising one that people don't really remember is a guy named Steve Largent. Oh, yes. Seahawks. Yes. Played back in, in Seattle, back in the mid 80s. He was so hard to cover. And it's not because he was fast. Uh, I was way faster than him many many dbs were but the way that they maneuvered and this is where i found out it's about it's about the game of football not just about the the talent yeah he would uh he and his quarterback uh dave craig at the time they had a synergy they had a a way of of working it and the first time i played him he didn't know who i was 
So I did pretty good. He only caught like four four passes. The next okay. time I hit him, oh, I got destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Steve Larger. <laughs> wow, so he, he, it seems like he was a little harder, harder to cover than Jerry Rice. He was because he used my quote-unquote talents against me. And so I was a speed guy, so he would take off one direction and then and then cut back before I knew what was going on. So, um, you know, to get to, to be really detailed about it, if somebody did a post corner, then that corner route would, um, you know, be caught at about 30 or 35 yards down the field. Well, I'm yeah. pretty good at covering a corner route because I had pretty good well, I had really good speed and I could maneuver my body really well. I could do spin moves or cutbacks or crossbacks. Well, all they did was they just shortened it up to 25 yards. <laughs> so I'm way wow. out in La La Land because I recognize the route and it's underneath me and I'm just frustrated. It's like, oh, crazy. Um, right. So the IQ was so much different with, with those all pros. Oh, it was, a, it, was, it was a cat and mouse game that was playing a cat and mouse game. It was... Just incredible. But here's a guy I want to give a, a lot of credit to, a guy named Mike Quick. I don't know if people know about him, but he played for the Philadelphia Eagles. I and remember that name. He was, he was Jerry Rice before Jerry Rice. He was about oh, wow. four, long, lean, fast. I mean, there were many times when I was with the Chargers and I was playing against him, I, I just lost him. I, just, I mean, he just scurried and scampered through the defense. I'm like, well, where is he at? <laughs> wow, Luckily, fast and quick. And elusive. If anybody listen, listening wants to uh, look up Mike Quick, you'll you'll see some incredible things. Like, well, why is this guy being talked about? Wow. Wow. Well, definitely we'll uh, check him out too as well. Now, what, what do you think about today's game in regards to the passing changes of rules the no bumping after five yards mm -hmm. great uh, great segue Shereel you're the man <laughs> you are the man um, <laughs> the uh, well the style in which I played bump and run very aggressive um, from the Chicago Bears 85 uh, defense I mean we were just insane so the style <laughs> in which I played would not work today and I tell my athletes that it's like, wow, you did this, you did this, yeah, but the style of which I play, it would not work today because <laughs> you know the guys are holding back. You can see them holding back. They don't want to get um, a targeting call, and it's not just the targeting call. They don't want to get fined. Ah, uh, right, exactly. So exactly. I don't mind them changing the game and making it safer. That's great, and I don't even mind the penalties. It's the fine. Uh, that I have an issue with. It's it's okay. So if I get two targeting calls, great. You can kick me out, but you know, don't take my hard-earned money from me. Exactly. Especially when my NFL life is short. And un don't do that because many times the targeting call is, as you well know, is by happenstance. I mean, it's bang bang plays. Yeah. Right. Right. That is that yeah. bang bang? Happen yep. so quick. You're going in to make a tackle, and you lower your center of gravity, and then at the last second, the receiver puts his head down, and you get the targeting call. Yeah, that's so unfair to – wow, it is uh, a travesty in a lot of ways. Yeah, it, it's unbelievable. And they're 
I mean, there are some guys who are aggressive and they are headhunters, so I understand getting that out of the game. It was right, right, pieces. exactly. You want to eliminate those type of pieces for sure. Exactly. And protecting the quarterback, yeah, irritating, but I get it. <laughs> it's good, you know. I, I, I tune in to watch Russell Wilson. I don't want to see him on the bench, you know. Yeah, right, right, exactly. So you mentioned the point of uh, cutting the life short of an athlete. So do you have any tips for any – Athletes that transitioning from uh, from professionals to a more traditional lifestyle. Oh, it's uh, that's a that's a very hard one still going on, and uh, you know, and now that I'm old <laughs> and looking back, it's like, am I still transitioning? Uh, I mean, you <laughs> you're know, young though, you're ex- young at heart. <laughs> exactly. The appreciate that. Yes. The, um, you know, it, it's hard because you, you grow up as a kid and, and kids are doing this today and their identity becomes their sport and, and that's who they become. And then it turns out you can't do that forever. You must do something else. But it's really hard because your identity right. always ties all up. you know. Yeah, that's all you know. And so... Um, you know, you know, what are the tips? Well, the tips are while you're playing, while you're young, make sure you do something else. Make sure you have other interests and, and just understand that, um, you know, many times sports is their first love. Right. Uh, and I have many kids that are 4.0 students, uh, even 4.2 and 4.5. I mean, way smarter than me. And, and I was an academic All-American in college. Oh, great. And still, you know, my identity was was this sport thing, and and it's supported by society because that's what they're interested in. And yeah. So they give it back to you, and and then you get confirmation. Yes, this is who I am. I'm a football player. I'm an athlete. And then you go out and you spend six, seven hours, you know, um, a week uh, doing that thing, and then your coach you know you have this community and this this paradigm this culture and it becomes who you are and that's your identity and then all of a sudden boom it stops and it's over and you're stuck with your identity and there's nowhere to go oh, wow. that's one of the contributing factors among others that you know we're athletes that play in the nfl um, regardless of how long they play. In fact, the longer they play, the more their identity is tied up into it. And it's more more challenging. Wow, that is a good uh, good nugget. And, and definitely, I can see how um, someone can fall either one side or the other. But it seems like you've been able to pick yourself up after your NFL days and you seems like you, you you satisfy your competitive nature by working it with athletes, training athletes for speed. You designed a national speed training certification, in which I went through uh, years ago. And that certification, if you can speak to that, and um, I'll tell you how that has helped me in my business. Awesome. Um, yeah, and then my degree is exercise physiology and, and biomechanics and, you know, sports psychology, blah, 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 all those great things. 
well, what happened was when I finished playing football, I started like a lot of athletes going into business in, in many different ways. I mean, I was, you know, real estate agent at one point. Um, I, I was in sales for coupon sales for a company. Um, did copier sales at one point. And every time, regardless of the business, this was in uh, 1988 and uh, 1990 in that range. And every time that I did that, we always ended up getting into conversation about sports. <laughs> always a conversation about uh, football, which led to a conversation about, hey, they always ask me, hey, can you help my son get faster? I'm like, I don't know. Let's see your son or your daughter. And they'd come out and I'd watch them. It's like, oh, you're overstriding. Oh, you're working too hard. You're leaning back. And that's where my speed training career started um as i was trying to do other businesses somebody was always tugging on me to work with their kid <laughs> and so i in the beginning i never really gave it much you know that much i didn't really take it that serious um you know because that that's not a career that's not a business that that doesn't exist there there's no there's no speed agility and quickness program back in the <laughs> late 80s and early 90s you know yes yes yeah, we weren't clever. We just called it working out with athletes. That's all it was. <laughs> right. I remember one day, girl, young girl, I was training in the '90s. She came up and said, "Yeah, you're my, you're my SAQ coach." I'm like, "You're, you're what? SAQ, speed, agility, and quickness." I'm like, "Okay, sounds great. Ready, go." <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just there was no name attached to it, so. That's kind of how I got started, and, and then I got the uh, the speed doctor name from um, some uh, mothers of some of the kids I was training, and, and they were trying to figure me out because um, they said, uh, you know, you don't you don't condition my athletes, you don't work them hard, they're they're never tired, they're never exhausted, and it's like you're you're like a you're like a guy that you're like a doctor, you're like a speed doctor, and bam, then my wife said. That's your name. I was like, What's <laughs> <my name? laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> and so that's that's perfect. Yep. So it's a it's a kind of Mr. Fix It. So I don't have to teach athletes how to work hard. That's just a decision. Uh, you know, it's a good decision. I support it. Um, but if you're so busy working hard and not working on the skill of how to do something, then the hard work is just a good thing called hard work. Hard work, right. Yep. And, and you got to have hard work in life. I mean, my, my dad is military. I understand hard work. I did a lot of it in my career. Um, but it wasn't until I really started focusing on 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 how to move, kind of like a martial artist. Uh, you know, if you're if you're off target, you can't break a board, period. Exactly. No matter how many degrees you have. And so when I started focusing on that, then that turned into the psychology of speed training. So it wasn't about how hard could I get a kid to work. It was how well can they think while they're in motion? How well can they think when they process information? Um, and then that kind of parlayed into uh, some of the dads and some of the coaches, you know, saying, hey, can you, can I teach, can I do that? I was like, well, sure. Just got to show you what to look for. You know, you're looking for, uh, as a coach, you're looking for a kid to work hard and, and what does hard work look like when a kid is in motion? Has anybody ever, ever identified what that is supposed to look like when a kid is working hard? Right. Many coaches today, even, um, you know, they'll 
they'll look at a kid and watch him grimace and struggle and stress and strain and be tired and sweating and then give him praise and then the kid links up that okay that means hard work that is good and then they come out and try to run and there's just too much stress all right they have it backwards exactly and so you know i've, I've even had coaches say uh just the other day uh, coach kind of yelled at a kid and said you need to work harder you know you're moving fast you're the fastest but you don't look like you're trying hard and it's like perfect that's <laughs> perfect you've got composure you're moving fast you can see you can think you can anticipate plays and so that's kind of where the certification came from can i you know teach this to other coaches and other parents and so yeah. i kind of came up with that system i don't market it a lot as you know um, yeah but i have had some really great some really um kind of heart heart pulling stories of some athletes across the country a couple of them in college um you know and one kid in texas he was uh years ago he was he was a good athlete he was running about uh, 11 0 10 9 in the 100 meters and he went to all kinds of different places and, and working with sprinters and that's great i love that stuff it's it, you know the world isn't about me right and you know he told me what he was doing i was like oh well you know he's carrying you know sandbags up a hill that's cool that's fun that's you know rocky stuff <laughs> right and i looked at him on a video analysis that i do and it's like oh you're you're standing and almost leaning back and you're kicking your leg out in front so you know i taught him how to do that taught the dad how to do that certified the dad and kid ended up running 10 6 in the 100 meters nice yeah. good 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 just from nice. reorganizing it um how he moves so i get a lot of that and that oh that feels me that gives me a lot of satisfaction i didn't know i would have that that that's amazing and and i when i wanted to offer more to my clients i end up finding your certification on speed agility and quickness and researched a lot of what you had and decided to take the certification. I studied, 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 took the test and passed, became certified. And I've used a lot of what I've learned in your course throughout the years with lots of athletes. And I work with athletes from all ranges. I have a world-class skier that's in Switzerland. Mm. I have some professionals, some college, a lot of high school and junior Olympic athletes and, and all of that. So I've used a lot of what I've learned from your program um, for my athletes and for my teams. And um, I just want to thank you for that. And is that program still available as I oh, give yeah. it a to let people uh, get some information on that if these coaches or up-and-coming trainers want to understand how speed truly works and how to really run. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's it's called the National Association of Speed, Agility, and Quickness. Uh, I call it NASA Q. NASA Q. <laughs> yes, yes, that's it. So I'm going to put a link to that on my pages, on my social media, um, my last question, I know we're pressed for time and boy, there's so much more I want to ask, but my last question is when you played, how was your nutrition regimen then 
versus how nutrition is today. Oh, great point. Yeah, nutrition is huge today. People finally know about it um, and, and really are starting to kind of understand that what you put in your body is, uh, is feel. It's not just about taste. And as you know, with your nutritional program, um, which is amazing, uh, you know, the body doesn't really just wants the nutrients and almost doesn't care where it comes from. But in our society, we have so much junk food out there that I was an expert at <laughs> and we get, uh, you know, eat something, we get, you know, just a trace of nutrition and so, you know, once you reverse that, boy, it's amazing what your body does for itself. Uh, it, it's, it's almost just allowing the body to heal itself. Oh, well, that's better. Um, and, and I know your, your philosophy is kind of that way. Yeah. But yeah, back in the day, it, it wasn't much. We had to rely on the trainers to give us, you know, food. So, you know, it was carbs, proteins, and fats and controlling that. But, you know, we'd, we'd certainly uh, no problem having a steak before a, a college football game. <laughs> and, you know, in track and Olympic sports, they were always a little bit more. I always found them a little bit more cutting edge research wise and sophistication wise as far as knowledge and science um, versus the team franchise sports. Um and so I, I kind of started learning from the track and field side about, you know, carbohydrate loading and, and the sugar, right. good sugars. Uh, didn't mean I did well with them. It just means I started learning about that. And then of course, through my degree, I learned more. Uh, and so, um, you know, the program that I use now to help people out is um, not so much an independent program, but kind of a system, a synergistic system that works together because people are busy today. They just don't have time. You know? Right. Exactly. What's the system using today? This is a, this is a system. Um, it's called Isogenics and I've been using it for, for two and a half years, three years now. And absolutely love it. Love the science behind it. And, um, you know, if anybody wants to, uh, learn more about it they can connect with me through you if that's okay yes that, that'll be perfect um definitely i want to give a, a link for ken's isogenic program for nutrition and uh you can learn more about that so i want to give the links to the speed and to the nutrition and so we can definitely uh fight this obesity epidemic which we are in and three three out of four are, are and so we want to definitely help this community, help this world, help these athletes and uh, give back. Absolutely. And, and you are a pillar of example by example. Holy smokes, man. You are you are doing well. And, and isn't that amazing? Um, three out of four. I mean, it is an absolute pandemic. It is getting worse. Yes, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. And, and that hasn't changed. You know, again, the body hasn't changed. It needs what it needs and does what it does. Um, things that have changed, you know, our phones change, computers, cars, AstroTurf is now <laughs> turf. That's changed. But the human body is still the human body. And, and we've got to fuel it with the right stuff. You got that right. You got that right. I was just looking at one thing uh, that made me smile. Uh-oh, here we go. 
you actually are a rock star that I, I, I realized you have in 1986 on the Billboard Hot 100 chart, you have a song that was ranked number 41 that sold 500,000 copies. Yeah, and that's was, incredible. That was the, <laughs> that was the Super Bowl shuffle. That's right. And you it, were on the Super Bowl shuffle with Walter Payton, Richard Dent, uh, all of those guys. Yeah, that's amazing. Absolutely, and it wasn't, and it certainly wasn't mine. Uh, I was just a, a rookie at the time, so it was a, you know, it was fun. Looking back, it was fun, you know, just being there and and hanging out and making that video. I mean, we just laughed all the way through it. <laughs> Crazy time, and before you know it, it's like. Uh, you know, it's being played on the radio a couple of yep. months later. And the national anthem. Yeah. So, yeah, for, for 35 years, I've had to hear that song, which is, <laughs> you know, uh, I'm going and back to Chicago on the reunion. Um, and I'm sure they'll be playing that song. Somebody will. Oh, yeah, for sure. And for those of you that are, are young and don't remember the 85 Bears and, and, and the dynasty and what they were and the, the Super Bowl shuffle, I'll add a link to that so you can hear the song, you can see the video and all that good stuff. It, it was an amazing song and just um, one of my favorite, favorite athletes, uh, as well as many others, when you talk about running backs, is, is the great, late, great Walter Payton. Last piece, can you share anything that that he did that that influenced your life? Oh my goodness, the, the kids don't know that I use uh, quite a bit of his his teachings, <laughs> and uh, the the parents know. Yeah, the kids don't know um, as as I get older, of course. And you know, there are two guys that um, just really influenced me and everybody else in the football community. Um, you know, on and off the field. And of course that is Walter Payton and, and Mike Singletary. Yeah. The work ethic that those guys had is just, and, and they, they were on the opposite sides of the ball. Right. And, right. And so when I was there, it's not like they were in the same meeting room because you know, one was running back, one was a linebacker, but man, they were just there. And, and it's like, what are they doing? What are they studying? What, what they're still here. Right? <laughs> you know, it's 7 PM. What are they doing? And they're just studying film, studying film. Um, I mean, I remember being on the field with Mike Singletary playing, and he's literally calling out the play and the hole that the running back is going to go through. I mean, it just... Wow. He'd look over to me as the times I was in the game with him, he'd look over to me and, and give me some signal, and I'm like, looks great, man. What does that mean? I mean, he's just so, <laughs> he's just so far above me. It's just like, wow. And wow. so the work ethic that those two guys had um, as it's well documented um, I'm not saying anything nobody knows um, is was I, I can't even describe it I mean I just can't describe it um, you know specifically um, you know being on time being early I mean everywhere I go I try to be five minutes early if I can wow that that, that was a great nuggets I mean people can learn those pieces than accidents and and getting fired and all those pieces those, those are life lessons that they learn in life and they put on the football field and you transition to normal life i mean these guys 
truly legends and uh, definitely look up to to all of them yourself as well you've, you've been a big mentor to me throughout my years and uh, it's been a blessing to have met you years ago and uh, I know I can always c- come to you count on you if I need something and uh, I would like to thank you for taking your time out on this busy day to do this podcast with me and no I, worries man no worries I, I gotta say too quickly that when you did your certification I'm like who is this guy he, he just <laughs> crushed it <laughs> okay he's <laughs> going places holy smokes I mean it was quick and I, I don't even think you got anything wrong <laughs> so uh, it was a my, tough test I mean I, I studied for hours my daughters would look at me and like out there cooking for them and uh, like what are you doing and I see me studying and so mm. I wanted to make sure I, I passed with flying colors and uh, I everything I digested and, and again I'm, I'm using today and will use forever so I'm, I'm grateful for all of that and uh, I'm going to be pushing this uh, podcast and uh, on my social media and, and your offerings and speed and your isogenics programs and all of that good stuff. So I'm going to let the world listen to this great information as soon as I can. And thank you once again, Ken Taylor of the 85 Chicago Bears and a uh, national certification holder and also a isogenics uh, member so thank you thank the world and we'll see you next time yeah. on Shape by Brown thank you thanks Jerome take care